Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. How many of you guys are just so thankful that Pastor Barry has joined our team? Man. Honestly, him. I mean, we like, we really like Barry, but we love candy. Uh, that's really, that's really it. Man, just, man, I don't know if you guys have been here for pre-service prayer, but candy, just full of the Spirit. is always, The Lord is always leading and giving words that have blessed my life. And, uh, man, you're like, I, I didn't even know you had pre-service prayer. Now you do. Uh, and, and God is moving. It is really incredible what the Lord is doing as I find a place for this to be balanced so I don't spill this coffee. There we go. I think that's it. We're there. Awesome. Thank you for the distraction while I did that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, get everyone focused, then I'll fix it, and then we're good. Well, welcome this morning. Excited you're here. Like, like Pastor Barry said, lots of things are happening here at Banner Church. We, uh, we are in the process of actually selling this building and, and purchasing a new space and moving into a new space, and we're actively looking uh, and have looked at a ton of stuff and engaged in that. We have really an incredible team and building team that's doing that and, and a part of that, and people have asked us that have come in and maybe they're newer to Banner Church, like, man, how are you going to leave this really, really cool building? And it's because we will always give up good for greater. And we believe that God has called Banner Church to be the epicenter of discipleship in the valley, that really that would be our anointing and our moving and our vision, that people would know Banner Church by their ability to disciple, to send out, to empower people, not just to the ministry of a platform, but to ministry in every job and every family and every city and every town in the valley. And so we believe that. We believe God is refining the vision, the place that God is building systems. We're thank we're so thankful for the staff that he's added to our team as we work on those systems. It's been a blessing just Barry and I having that time sitting down and sitting down with our team and beginning to dream up ways to 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 really unlock the the potential and the ability, the ministry, and the anointing of this church. So I just have to tell you great things are coming. And we we have been in 21 days of prayer as a church, and our, our prayer team and Sheila has done an amazing job of sending out these daily prompts, and one of the things we're praying for is a building, but even more, we're just praying for greater hunger, for greater mission, and for God to stir up within us. And so we began the year with a series called Even Greater. Somebody say, Even Greater. Okay, shake, shake it out a little bit. Somebody say, Even Greater. There we go. We're like, oh yeah, that's right. We are Pentecostals. I won't make you say it in tongues, but, but one more time with nice enthusiasm, say even greater. There we go. Perfect. I thought I heard some tongues in there. That's all right. We'll interpret it later. Uh, but we're thankful for the Spirit. If you don't know, we, we don't take a lot too serious. We, we take the mission serious, but you know. I joke about a lot of things. Uh, today I want to talk to you about even greater love, even greater love. And as I do, I'm going to move this tiny cup that I'm for sure going to kick off the stage. I want to talk to you about even greater love. Uh, last, or the, the other night I was sitting on the couch and I was watching uh, the Jaguars this last night get just absolutely demolished in what I assume is one of the worst slaughters in NFL history. I don't know. It was crazy. Uh, and I... I was just, I was watching the first half, and then I just shut it down uh, because I, I didn't want to watch football anymore. And as I was doing that, I, uh, 
I, <laughs> I was listening to my daughter and my wife talk, and my daughter's at this unique age where she is now telling us about her life. Right, you, you read this. You reach this age with kids where it's no longer like, "Hey, what do you, what do you, what do you learn at school?" And they're like, uh, "I don't know." And then you have this season where they will tell you, and then they transition to a season where they don't know anymore. That's about 13. So we're in that sweet spot, right about at eight, where kids, you know, are cool. And uh, and so we're just sitting there, and I realize like my wife is talking to my my daughter, and she's like telling my wife all these things about her life and all these things that she's into, and she's talking about Valentine's, and they've started using in her class the word Valentine, I'm beginning to realize in this conversation, they use the word Valentine in place of the word crush. So she was like, I have a Valentine on Liam, and I was like, no! <laughs> that I checked out, I shut off the game, right? And I just zoomed in right there. I was like, who? Who is he? She's, she's like, well, you know. And so Katie told me, well, you know, she had a, she has a, you know, a Valentine, a, a crush on this boy because he has, his name starts with an L and he has blonde hair. I was like, that really is a broad spectrum so of people. Um, but it was cute, and it was really adorable listening. And I, I think I, I learned a lot about love when, when I became married. You learn a lot about what love really is when you become married. But, man, I, I have to say, being a father has taught me so much about love. Not only to receive it, but to give it. And what real love really is all about. Something that transcends what the world might teach us, and it's something deeper, something greater. It's a greater type of love. And as I approach the word today, and as, as we read through it, and as we walk through it today, that's really my heart and my attitude is that I, I feel like approaching it and approaching our, our Father God in the same way, in the same type of access, in the same type of joy, uh, maybe not the yelling about who we have a Valentine on, but, but the same kind of just wonder and awe and encouragement. And so I want you to hear me say that as we talk about the love of God, I want to define it by something greater and not something that the world has to offer. Something that's deeper, something that's more, something that gives us greater purpose as we begin to understand greater love. I don't know if you have noticed, uh, but the world around us is not uh, good at defining and understanding what love really is. In many ways, in order to categorize that word, the world has begun to say that love is the fulfillment of your desires. The how you're feeling, how you're led, what you want, the, the, what you desire, what you feel, the fulfillment of that is love. To give somebody that is to love them, to receive it yourself is love. And, and, and though there might be a, a small portion of that that lives at the, maybe the doormat into the greater mansion that is the beauty of love, I, I think there's something even greater as we begin to understand biblical love. See, because biblical love, meaning God's love, is actually about sacrifice. Like I said, you learn that in marriage, hopefully. And uh, you really learn that as a parent, right? We're about to have our third kid. And uh, every time we have another kid, it reminds me of how much I need to learn, right? How much I need to learn patience. You want to learn patience? Have a kid, right? Young people, you might not understand this, but you can go anywhere you want at any time. You don't think you're free because you're broke, but you're free. You're free. 
and you don't even know what broke is yet, right? Just imagine there's a tiny, adorable creature that takes all your money. And I know you have a dog, and you think that that's the same, but it's different, right? The baby steals more money. I think dogs are better than babies. Keep the dog. Right now, <laughs> just joking. My wife's looking at me like, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> But we learn a lot in relationships about what love really is, and I think we learn a lot about biblical love. Let me, let me explain biblical love here, the love of God. The love of God is a commitment, right, choice. It's a commitment of devotion that is so strong that sacrificing everything for somebody becomes an actual blessing, right? Real true, the love of God, the love displayed by God for us is a devotion. It's a covenant. It's a commitment so strong that to sacrifice everything, which the world says that sounds crazy, is actually the greatest form of love. It is actually a blessing. All of a sudden, you begin to see sacrifice as a blessing. You know you love someone when to sacrifice for them blesses your life. Like, this feels like a blessing for me. You know you love your spouse when the sacrifice is not a burden, but a blessing. You know you love your kids when the sacrifice is not a burden, but it's a blessing. This is the kind of love that, that Jesus talks about, greater love. So let's, if you have your Bible, open up with me to John chapter 15, verse 12. John chapter 15, verse 12. If you didn't bring your Bible, don't worry. The words will be on the screen. We're going to read together, but let, let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're present here in the word and the reading of the word and the understanding of the word. And so we open our hearts to everything in every way that you would lead this morning. We ask that you would speak, that you would encourage, that you would convict, you would strengthen, and you would renew. That we leave this morning changed by the word of God at work in our life. In your name, amen. All right, John chapter 15. Now this this is a continuation, if you've been with us in this series, it's a continuation of some of the things we've been reading in John. We started in 14, here we are now, deeper into chapter 15, and this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to his disciples. And he says in verse 12, he says, this is my commandment. Strong word, right? He says, this is my commandment. I am commanding you to do this. Okay. Usually when God says, I'm command, that's where we pay attention. Right? This is my commandment, okay, that you love one another as I have loved you. And he says, greater love, someone say greater love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I called you friends for all that I've heard from the Father I've made known to you. We did a, we did a sermon on that, so we're not necessarily going to touch on that entirely. We're going to keep going here. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. If you were here last week or the week before, that might sound familiar to you. He said, these things I command you so that you will love one another. What a powerful verse, right? Go, go back to verse 13. He says, greater love has none than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. He's saying, this is greater love. This is what greater love 
is. He says it has no one than this, meaning nothing is greater than this kind of love. He's like, here's greater love. I'm going to tell you what it is, and there's nothing greater than this, that you lay down one's life for his friends. And that's an interesting thought, because Jesus describes all kinds of love in Scripture, and one of the loves he describes is he says to love your enemies, which in my opinion seems more difficult. Just as somebody who has friends and enemies, I would say loving my enemies is harder. Personal opinion, right? So you would think like, well, is that the greater love? Is that what he's saying? So is he contradicting? But that's not really the way Jesus is talking or teaching. When Jesus teaches, he teaches in the context of all the things he's teaching and in all of the kingdom. And so what we actually have here is Jesus sitting down with the ones, his followers, that he calls his friends. And as he's surrounded by his friends, he's speaking to his friends who he's lived this life with, who has followed him. He says, listen, I, I'm calling you my friends now, and I'm going to teach you what it means to really follow me. And I'm going to show you, my friends, what true love is. And here's how I'm going to show you, my friends, is I am going to lay down my life for you, my friends. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die for you. See, that is, it, it's not just like, Great love is to die for your homies, right? Like, that's the greatest thing you could possibly ever do is just, like, die for one of your bros. That's, right? That would, that would, that's really powerful, right? To lay down your life literally for a friend, to physically die for them. But there's something greater that Jesus is speaking to because whatever Jesus speaks to speaks to his greater mission to fulfill the Father's uh, work through him. And so what he's speaking to is his death upon the cross for all people. He's saying, listen, I am going to die for you, and that will be the greatest representation of love that has ever been. See, the cross is the most beautiful expression of love in the history of the universe. And maybe you're, you're new to uh, coming to a church, and you always, I've always wondered, like, why are there crosses a lot of places? Or maybe you're like, there's not a cross in this church. Ain't the church for me. Probably not. Uh, oh, I got two in my office. I'll give you one. I'll sign it. But the cross is a powerful image in, in our faith as we follow Christ because it is one of the most beautiful expressions of love ever. It is the most beautiful expression of love ever. I, I was listening to a preacher once, and he was like, I don't know why we have the, you know, crucifixes and crosses. It's an instrument of death. The only symbols we should have is a symbol of the empty tomb. That's the one that we should have. Stop wearing crosses around your neck. Like, Jesus isn't on the cross. Wear an empty tomb around your neck. And I, I thought that was clever and tweetable. It's wrong. Uh, because... <laughs> Because the cross is a crucially important part of our faith in following Christ. It is difficult to look upon the cross. To look at the cross and see Jesus Christ beaten and marred and scorned and abused and tortured and crucified and taking upon himself our wrath, taking upon himself the wrath and the brutality and the sins of mankind, drinking of the cup that was meant for you and I, paying the debt that was meant for you and I. It is difficult to stare upon that, and yet when we do, we glimpse at the most beautiful 
beautiful thing that we have ever seen, which is Jesus on the cross for us. You guys remember the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross? I love one of the verses in that hymn says, In the old rugged cross stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and to sanctify me. See, on the cross, Jesus says, this is love. This is love. This is love for you. This is the love I have for you, that I have taken all of your suffering and wrath because I love you. He says, I took it upon myself on the cross, and I fulfilled what was required even in the law. Did you know, church, that on the cross, Jesus fulfills the law? In the Old Testament, the the Jewish people were given the law to sanctify themselves, to make them a a part of the covenant. They were the covenant people. But on the cross, Christ makes a new covenant in his blood. We just celebrated that in communion, right? The new covenant that Christ came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. That's why when Jesus is tested by religious leaders, he says in Matthew 22, a religious leader comes to him and he's trying to test him as they're debating in that space. And it says in Matthew 22, 36, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They're trying to test him. They're trying to test Christ. And so he says in verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the first, or this is the great and first commandment. Then he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And verse 40 is so important. He says, on these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. Jesus says, everything rests on these two commandments. All the law, everything that God was teaching, everything of the old covenant rests on these two principles. And what he's doing is he's not making something new. He's actually pulling up two uh, parts of the law and describing two parts of the law that Jewish teachers held as really the preeminent uh, uh, recognition of the authority of God and what he commanded them to do. One is from Deuteronomy, and one is from Leviticus. And he's pulling up these two, and he's saying, listen, this is everything God was trying to teach you right here. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. He said, that's first. And he said, and then love others as you love yourself. He said, that's second. That comes out of the first thing. And this right here is the key to understanding greater love. Now, if you've been at church, you might have heard sermons on this. Let me give you the easiest sermon point that you ever heard. And in fact, you might not even need to write this down, but just do it for fun, right? Where does it start? What is the key to understanding greater love in our life? The first part is love God. It's funny how much is simple but not easy sometimes, right? It says love God. That's the foundation. And it's an important order. Love God. That's, that's the call on our life. He says, love, love, love who? Love God. Which God? Yahweh, the I, I am God. And I think that's important because in culture right now, we've made some weird choices about what it means to love God and who God actually is. Right? Part of culture is saying, well, if God is love uh, and, and God loves, so then love is God. And so we worship love. And I'm just going to tell you, no, Yahweh is God. God is God. Love is not God. Though, God is love. It is a part of who he is. It is not all he is, and we don't worship love. 
And at the same time, culture's done this very unique thing, the, the Western culture that we live in, even the culture of our own valley, is that it's made a, a cultural God and then put it up and said, that's God. It's kind of made this customized menu of who God is and put it up and said, yes, that's God. You kind of get to like build a bear, but for Jesus Christ, right? It's like you can just put like whatever voice you want in them. You can dress them up however you want. And then it's, it's actually your voice, right? But you put it in him and you pretend that it's him, right? And we've created this sense of build a bear God. But here's the problem. You can follow that God, but you cannot discover real love unless you have walked in and are living with and walking in obedience to a real God. Build a bear God will, will not save you. Build a bear God is not coming for you, right? That's why Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. He said, well, there's many ways to God, not according to God. So that's why it's an important foundation that we love God first. We love God foremost, that he be first and foremost in our life, that he be above everything else, that he be before anything else. If you ever read uh, the letters to the churches in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2, there's a letter to Ephesus. And he says, I, I know your works. And he says, they're good, right? He's like commending them. He's like, you do good works. You're enduring. You work hard. Like you, you've committed. You've stayed in, in the faith. Like you still go to church even though people don't like you. And, you know, it's like he's like commending them. And he says, but you've lost something. What have you lost? Your first love. He says, listen, you've been so busy working for me that you forgot to love me. Man, is there anything more identifiable than that? We find ourselves so busy doing things for God, but then we begin to ask ourselves, when was the last time I just like loved? Do I love God or do I, am I just like keep doing things for him because I'm afraid to not? Like I know enough about him to be afraid of him, or maybe you're afraid of hell. You grew up in that family, right? So you don't want to not do things for him, but you don't necessarily love him, and you don't necessarily maybe even feel like he loves you. And that's why the starting point is love God. Because I think there's a lot of great work being done for God. And we see it all the time. Big churches and big ministries rise up, and they're doing things for God. And all of a sudden, things begin to happen. What you realize is people were busy working for God, but they weren't really spending any time loving Him. They weren't really spending time at His feet, right? Going into the quiet place, spending time in His presence, praying and seeking Him. They, they, they weren't lavishing that affection and that love on Him. It was more about what we can do for Him and how we can elevate it up. And, and I think mission is important, right? I think, I think caring for others is important. There's a reason we're doing Find Your Fit and Foster Care tonight at 5 p.m. is because we believe in mission. But the first thing is God and loving God. It has to be first. That we, ne we need in many ways, I think, less people who feel like they have to earn something, build something, do something, and more people who say, I just want to sit in the presence of God. I want to take that, that coat closet in my house and I'm going to pull everything out and just put it into the hallway or fold it up nicely and put it into boxes depending on your personality. And then I'm just going to go into that space and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to pray and seek the Lord. And you know what? I just have to, I'm going to find some space where my kids don't bug me, right? I'm going to go out for a walk and I'm just going to just spend time lavishing affection on the Lord and I'm going to begin to discover that love of Him and that love for Him that informs the rest of my life. 
We don't need more programs, church. We need more presence. We have great programs, but they need to be full of people who are about presence, who say, I want to love God. And how does he say to love him? He says, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Yours might say understanding. The, the idea still rings true. What is he describing? He's describing your whole being. The other day I was, uh, I was planting trees at my house. I really love planting things. We had a huge garden at our old house. We bought a new house, and it's like starting over. It's just like a barren landscape. And so we got all these fruit trees, and uh, we had, I think, like four or five trees and bushes and all these kind of things that are going in as we rebuild everything uh, in our crazy home that has chickens and bunnies and weird stuff in Mesa. Um, and, uh, and, and so they tell you in this, in this thing when you're preparing to get the trees, I mean, it's, it's like a whole biology class. You get mycorrhiza and azomite and bioflora, and you're mixing all these things. It's so crazy. And I'm saying those words to you like I know what those mean, but they were just on the bag. So don't think that I'm smarter than anybody else. I read that word, and then that's probably not even how you pronounce it, right? I'm just dumping them into the hole, like, let the Lord decide, right? And so they tell you ahead of time, you got to dig a hole. So I go to my front yard, and you got to dig like a two-foot-by-two-foot hole, one foot deep, and then a six-foot, like, trench around it. And when you dig the hole, you fill it with water. And they say, fill it all the way up with water and wait for eight hours. It's called a percolation test. I like that word, percolation. Somebody say percolation. Percolation. That's fun. I like that one. Um, and you fill it with water and you wait for eight hours to see if it drains. And the reason they say to wait is because you'll know if the water is going to stay or if it's going to soak. Because what will happen is if your ground, I mean, we have some hard ground here, right? If your ground is too hard, the water will stay. It will not soak into everything else. And so if you were to plant your tree into that hole that only retains and never soaks, it only compartmentalizes and never soaks out into everything else, the tree can't grow. It'll actually suffocate and die. Church, I think our lives are often like this that we have prepared a certain place for God in our life. We have dug a certain place for him, a refined box that he is allowed into in our life. But we will not allow him to soak and saturate in to the rest of our life. We say, God, fill me up at presence night. God, be present. Just not at my work. Those people don't realize I'm weird. Right? God, saturate me just right here within these confines of the time while I will allow for you. And what happens so often is we begin to feel suffocated. And we begin to say things like, where is God? And he's like, right where you have contained me. But God wants so much more for our life. He wants his love to saturate every part. And that's not just because he's invasive. That's not just because he's demanding. It's because he knows if we will not allow his love to saturate every part of our life, that eventually what he wants to grow in our life will suffocate and it will die. Can I encourage you, church? Let his love saturate every part of your life. 
Let it fill every part of your life. Man, if you need to get in there with the crowbar of the Spirit and break up some dry ground, you need a friend to get in there and tell you how it really is going in your life so they help you with that crowbar, break it up. Fine, whatever it takes. But invite the love of God to saturate in every part of your life. Begin to open up those doors and those places that you've closed off from Him. You're like, God, I want you to just pour out on me and, and be in my thoughts but not in my actions. God, I want you to be in my church, but not in my friends. God, I, I want you to be uh, in how you provide for my finances, but not how you would provide for others through my finances. God, be present in this, but God wants to do so much more because he longs to move even greater in your life. And here's what's so cool, is that a lot of what we suffer uh, naturally in our world right now is the result of draining what's around us. Have you ever seen a dry lake bed? You know why they have dry lake beds? It's because the water table has been lowered too far. Right? They begin to drain everything, and nothing's soaking and nothing's seeking, seeping. It's not raising up. How do you get springs of life? Your water table needs to be higher than the ground so that it begins to come out of the hills and the rocky places. The same is true in our life. As we begin to allow the love of God to soak and saturate into every part of our life, it raises the, the expectation. It raises the water table. raises the love of God in our own life, and it begins to break out of rocky places. If you want the the love of God to break out at your work, if you want the love of God to break out in your family, it doesn't begin by praying, God, break out. It begins praying, God, saturate. God, fill. God, raise up. And he says, yes, come into my presence then. Spend time with me. Discover my love for you, and it will. It, it is inherent with how it works. You don't need to work for it. You don't need to earn it. But he says, come into my presence and spend that time. Man, if you let the love of God saturate every part of your life, you will see springs of life, springs of love, break out and begin to bless the people around you. You want great mission in your life? You want great opportunity in your life? You want to be for more than just how people have defined you or they've done to you or used you? You want even greater in your life that go, transcends beyond your place, your position, or even your personal power? Then begin to seek the love of God and open every door for him to saturate your life. Because out of the first commandment comes the second. Out of love the Lord your God with everything comes the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew twenty two thirty nine. right? He says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now the Jewish understanding, when well, this is written out in Leviticus, is for the Jewish people. But I'm thankful for Jesus Christ who came and was raised up as the banner from the root of Jesse, who says, when I'm raised up, I'll call all people, and that we're all called to him. He says, everyone's your neighbor. I know there's a lot of sermon series like, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And it makes for good content. I've done this series. But also, like, can we just say collectively, church, like, we get it. Like, we get it. Like, you know who your neighbor is. Like, you're not dumb. I'm not dumb. We know. There's six million people in this city. Just pick one. Just go to the grocery store. Pick somebody. That's your neighbor. Some of you live next to somebody, and I'm just going to tell you right now, that is literally your neighbor. 
Like, they live next to you, right? right? We're like, God, who's my neighbor? We're going to do a five-week series on who is your neighbor. And, like, we live next to the people. Imagine inviting your neighbor. Like, we're doing a series trying to figure out who our neighbor is. They're like, man, Christians are so weird, right? Like, I literally live next to you, dude. This is an apartment complex. There's 1,800 of us that live here. You have 1,800 neighbors. The town of Jesus wasn't even as big as your apartment complex. Like, when he said neighbor, like, you have 12 stories of it, right? That's the funny thing about Western Christians. There's 6 million people here. Just pick somebody. Who do I love, God? God, reveal your way to me. Did you like those, like, overcomplicated, over-spiritual prayers so we don't actually have to do anything? It's like, if I just make Christianity complicated enough, I don't have to do anything about it. It can just, I can just stay in this mode. Like, I'm as guilty as anybody, right? Like, Lord, who's my neighbor? It's like, well, you just moved in the neighborhood. Probably your neighbor. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. I love John 15, 12. He says, that you would, this is my commandment, that you would love one another as I've loved you. How do you love your neighbor? He says, as I've loved you. How does Jesus love? He says, love as I love. Love your neighbor as I've loved you. Well, he loves with sacrifice. He loves by not holding offenses against us. He loves us with grace and with mercy. He loves us with humility and commitment and strength. He says, love others as I have loved you. Love who I love. He says, so love each other. I know you might be thinking, you've been at church, you're like, man, I have heard this sermon. And I think that makes my point. Like, how many more sermons does the Western church really need? Like, you know what I mean? Like, would we be better off if we just canceled church for the next 18 years and just went out and taught, right? You know, like we feel that sometimes in our spirit. Now, community is important, and the gathering of believers is important as an outpouring of living out mission. As a gathering together of living out mission. But what happened is in the West, I really believe as Western Christians, we're often, and, and Pastor Barry and I were talking about this, over-informed and underutilized. That we love, I mean, I love education. I mean, I got a master's degree for a reason, right? I, I read, you know, multiple books a month, and I have a goal every year. I mean, I, I'm working on writing a book. I, I value information, and, and I think rich theology is important. Uh, I, I think it's important to be informed. I think it's important to have knowledge. I think knowledge is a gift and a blessing. I think we should want to grow in knowledge and understanding. But I think it's a problem when we make information the goal and not transformation the goal. That information and growth and knowledge and understanding should point us to not only a greater understanding of God's love, but a greater obedience to his command to love others. If you, if you have an experience or, or you're reading, you're in the Word, or maybe you're out hiking, you're like, wow, like, I just feel like I really had a moment with God. If it doesn't inspire a greater, a greater obedience to God's commands, then you have to start asking those questions like, is that actually God, or was it just a really high altitude, right, <laughs> on my hike today? We have to ask those questions. It should inspire us to engage more with God, but I think we've overcomplicated it. Do you ever feel that way? Like, it's so complicated. I got to do this and mark this and check this box and, like, wear the right, like, necklaces and then, you know, got to follow, listen to the right things and be this and what's the right podcast. And it's like this sense, if it's overcomplicated, I got to tell my friends, but I need a 12-step process for Jesus as if your friends care, right? It's like we have all these things, and I kind of feel like, and I was feeling this week, we just need to collectively as a people just take a deep breath and move on from that, Right? I just like sitting in my garden thinking like, man, this is not that complicated. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not, it's not easy in our flesh. Thank goodness for the Spirit. But it's certainly not complicated. It's certainly not complicated. 
And it's like, collectively, we just got to take a deep breath, right? In fact, let's, can we do that together? Let's do it. Like, count of three, we're going to breathe in, breathe out, right? Take a deep breath. And when you do, we're just kind of letting go of all these things you feel like you got to prove, all these things you got to feel like you got to earn, all these things you feel like you have to do. Just say, you know what? Let's simplify for a minute. Love God, love others. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Breathe out. <sighs> Let it out. Like it's important. See, when we say yes to Jesus, that's the first yes. But you know every day there's a yes to Jesus, right? Yes, I'll follow you. Yes, I'll submit my heart today. Yes, I'll pursue you. Yes, I'll give everything for you. Yes, I'll love you. And we start to ask these questions, I think, that are so important. Am I loving like Jesus? Am I loving Jesus? Is my life reflecting that love? Am I giving the grace that I've received? Am I sacrificing like him? Am I being compassionate like him? Am I rejoicing and mourning with his followers like he did? Again, it's not super complicated, but it's also not easy. It takes our whole life, our whole being. But can I encourage you as we begin to do that, first and foremost, not only get a greater revelation of God's love for our life, but begin to live out that love, that greater love gives us greater purpose. In fact, man, you guys can come up. Let me ask you a question this morning. What if we changed how we viewed love in our life? What if it be became less about what we could get and more about what God has created us to give? More about the ways that God made you unique and has anointed you to build his kingdom. What if all of a sudden we begin to change our priorities? We said our first priority is the first commandment, to love God with everything. We begin to prioritize our time and our life and our rule of life. And we begin to establish and say, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I want to spend time in his presence. And I want to minister to the heart of God. Just praising him and loving on him and adoring him. Some of you spent a long time, if ever that you've done that, can I tell you, there's a lot of breakthrough there. Because you just begin to praise God and you begin to worship him and you begin to love on him. And as you begin to praise the Lord, as you begin to love on him, God begins to reveal even more of himself through his word, through the word of God, and through the Spirit. And as God begins to reveal himself through his word and by the Spirit, it begins to change us. It begins to convict us. Come on, somebody. It begins to secure us. And what's so cool is God begins to reveal himself and his love. As you say, God, saturate every part of my life with that love. As I begin to understand even more, though I'll only ever know in part until I'm in heaven with you for eternity and I, and I behold you in all of your glory. God, as you begin to reveal and saturate my life, he begins to reveal truths about you. All of a sudden, there's a shift in your talents and your abilities and your life and your time become less about what you can acquire and what you can prove and the ladder you can climb. And it becomes more about how God can move through you to not only bless your life, but to build his eternal kingdom. 
And it changes because as God reveals about himself or reveals about you, you begin to get a vision for your life that, that goes beyond earthly gain. And all of a sudden, God moves from this compartmentalized place that you've allowed him, and it moves to the central piece that saturates every part of your life. Every part of your life begins to radiate out of that center that's being filled with the love of God. It begins to radiate out. It begins to pour out into your work and into your life and into your into your home and into your family, into your relatives, into your city, into your community, this expression of love, not because you feel guilted by it, but because it's the language you speak. See, it's not because you just went on like the, the once a week Duolingo of the Spirit and discovered like a little tweetable quote about the love of God. It's because that's the language you speak. You spend time in that love, learning that language, allowing it to saturate into your life. And so when you encounter others, the love of God is your first language. And you speak out the love of God. It's an overflow because you've raised the water table, the love in your life, and it just can't help but find those places to break out. All of a sudden, just imagine your job becomes less about the paycheck, and it becomes less about working for the weekend, and it becomes less about preparing or, or doing or earning, and it becomes a ministry. And all of a sudden, your giftings and your abilities and your desires and your access and your relationships become opportunities for the kingdom. So you're not surrounded by people who are just buying time. You're surrounded by the children of God who the love of God begins to pour out of you and into them. And imagine your family. It's more than just what you have to do or an obligation. It becomes less about the tasks and the places you have to drive your kids to and the things you have to do. And it becomes about an outpouring of the love of God into your children and into their children and into the generations and the generations. And begin to imagine your marriage as you're spending time with the Lord and you're discovering the depths and riches of his love. Now, all of a sudden, you feel empowered to love your spouse like never before. All of a sudden, you feel empowered for the spouse that you might have someday. That when God brings that person, you know how to speak the language of true love to that person. Imagine a life where love becomes a priority because God has not been confined to one part of your life. He has saturated every part. We start thinking different. We start dreaming different. We start setting different goals. I had this thought this week. I said, man, what if for New Year's, instead of setting goals on I want to get this, do this, make this, what if I set goals on how I want to love? How I want to love God, how I want to love others. What if I set love goals this year? Which I know it sounds hokey, but follow me. What if I set goals and I said, man, God, give me vision. If I went into prayer and I said, God, give me vision. God, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to spend this time with you, not to earn it, because I need structure, because I'm a finite being restricted by time. I said, God, I'm just going to spend time with you. Just love. God, I'm going to get away. Come to put down the remote. I just want to spend time loving on you. If I begin to set goals for my family, God, God, help me get vision for how I'm going to teach my children about your love in every moment, but also in those special moments. But if I begin to set goals on God, how can I love my coworkers? God, how can I love my neighbors? How can I love my city? I'm not just here to take from this town. I'm here to bless it. How can I love my family? How can I love children with no family? 
Church, could you imagine a church full of people who spent 2023 setting goals for loving God and loving others? Man, who cares what kind of building we have? We'd be happy anywhere, right? We're going to get a great building. But I, 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 will, I want this because I believe God wants this because greater love is for you and I. So this morning, I'm going to invite you in just a second to have a moment. Sometimes it's like, we come, we pray for you, but I believe it's a moment of for you and the Lord. If you're here today and you're just saying, you know what? I do want that. I, I long for the love of God to really saturate every part of my life. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe you've been struggling with that. Or maybe you just, you long for more, even greater. You're saying, Lord, this, this year, this 2023, I long to seek you and pursue you and be with you and discover even a deeper revelation of the depths and riches of your love. And I pray that it would overflow in every part of my life. Every part of my life. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, even right now, Spirit, we ask you to move. I just sense the Spirit wants to move on your life. And it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing sometimes to open up every part of your life because you're worried about what you think he's going to find in there. And you just need to know he already knows. But he wants to come just washing in a breath of life upon you right now. He wants to renew. He wants to go into those dry places, those hard and rocky places. And he wants to just saturate with his love. Right now. Even in your mind, there's corners of your mind, there's thoughts of your mind that are just off limits even right now. But he just says, open up. Give it to me. How do we give it to him? We say, I surrender it to you. We make a commitment to him. The band's going to lead us in just a moment in this song. And I love this song because it declares the love of God. So here's our response this morning. I invite you to take a step. If you're here today, and I'll, I'll be up here in the altar with you too. He would say, Lord, I long for you to just saturate every part of my life with your love. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. The altar is a special moment of stepping out a place of belief of what God wants to do. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and to just give it all to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give you everything. God, saturate my life, every part with your love. If that's you, there's no counting. It's just now. Would you just come forward and say, God, saturate my life with your love. The altar is open. The altar is open. Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.